Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... The classic being your park runner that sees a photo of themselves running, landing on their heel, and they instantly think that heel running from reading magazines and reading things online, heel running is all evil. So they've seen that photo, they go away and they start making themselves run on their tiptoes, and now they're suddenly coming to see me with two calves at a time. Running with Jake, the plodcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plod, and here's your host, Jake Lowe. <laughs> Now, you always point at me (laughs) at the start of the show when we're about to record, but that was like a proper point. That was a really powerful point. Is that because this is episode 100? Well, it it, it wasn't particularly, no. It's because you've been buggering about with the the video system that we use, Facebook Messenger, and uh, a minute ago there was a snowman on your head. So I'm like, right, I've got your attention. Just go now. Start. Go! I just love the camera effects. Uh, If you've just joined us, welcome to the show. This is Running With Jake, the podcast your weekly dose of running motivation sometimes we get a little bit random it's very true but we do talk a lot about running quite like running definitely up for it especially when i'm not injured coming out the other side now of the injury so that's that's positive i'm in a very good mood better mood than normal and you know why i'm also in a what i would call and classify as an exceptional mood it is because this is episode 100 of the podcast of the podcast how did that happen i don't know how? i don't know it's just how? like time just passed by and then a couple of years later we're at you know episode 100 and the thing is you know if we were I, I, i've got two trains of thought on this like some people you'll hear them do like this massive celebratory you know f- you know 100th issue 100th episode and it'll be like you know really self-indulgent with them going back over past episodes and playing clips of it and oh i liked it when we had this person on i liked it when you said this I liked it when I said that and all that kind of thing and because we are not self-indulgent and very (laughs) ill-planned we lost track of the numbers (laughs) So we don't have, I'm afraid, any self-indulgence for you at all. But one thing we are doing, actually, and, and this is this is quite a cool thing, um, we do get loads of questions. You know, we do hashtag Ask Jake every week, and uh, and we get a certain number of questions, and, and we get more questions than we have um, have episodes of the podcast. So one thing we're doing, we've kind of got to 100, and we panicked, and we went, oh, no, we've not done any preparation at all. What can we do which will take no preparation at all? Um, and the fact <laughs> is that we could do a live podcast. So we're going to do that, you see. We're going to do that today it's, uh, if this if you're listening on the day that this was released as in the 1st of December 2021 um, then today <laughs> we're doing a live on Podbean a live podcast on the Podbean app at 12:30 that's UK time on the 1st of December 2021 if however it's after that and you've missed it I'm sorry you missed out I mean, you might be able to re-listen. I don't know how it works. I'm yeah, not we, sure. We, we think there's a there's a strong possibility. There's a very good chance you could go back and, and re-listen. Well, no, you listen, because obviously if you re-listen, you would have joined us anyway. Of course, yes. That would yes. Assume, we would assume that you'd listen the first time around, <laughs> but you didn't. You know, what we're saying here is if you missed it, the live, then you can go back using the Podbean app and check it out. We think. We, I mean, we can't sign a life away to that. What we think. Now, the fact is, Jake, you know, we've never done this before and mm. we don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've all done, well, I say we've all done. You and I have done live radio a few years ago. Of course, yeah, we used to do live radio shows all the time. But the fact is that we've never actually done this. So we don't know if it's going to be decent or if it's going to be a complete 
complete bag of crap. No clue. No clue. If it's okay, it will be released after this episode as a bonus. <laughs> so it will be episode 101. If, however, it's rubbish, what we'll do is ignore that it ever happened and episode 101 will be something completely different. It won't be anything to, the, to do with the live and it won't relate to the live at all because we're embarrassed about the live. But at this moment, we don't know how it's going to go. Just a thought, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head here as you speak, but is it worth... Let's assume that we do this live and it's pants, right? I mean, it could happen, it could happen, it could be terrible. It could well happen. And therefore, we delete it. So episode 101 of the podcast, your weekly dose of really motivation, is just like a normal standard episode 101 of the podcast yeah do we have to delete episode 100 as well because obviously we're making lots of reference to the live aren't we we're talking about it quite a bit i feel i feel yeah you know continuity and things peter i'm just i'm wondering i'm wondering some things in life are not continuital (laughs) (laughs) and some people make words up because they don't have much of a grasp of the language but i know what i mean and that's the most important thing (laughs) Oh, man. Well, look, anyway, you know, the point is, with this live, if you are listening to this podcast first thing in the morning, tomorrow morning, on the 1st of December 2021, um, and you do want to take part in the live, it's going to be great, because um, you can actually, I've, I've seen the tech man, you can call in. So if you if you have the Podbean app, and I know we have loads of listeners on Podbean, we've got a lot of followers on there, so, that, so there's a very good chance that if you're listening to this now, you're listening somewhere in the world on Podbean. Um, check out the time difference, I, I when I try and explain time differences, it all goes wrong. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but uh, but as far as you know, time is concerned, it's 12:30, and you can call in live. So like you can ask live questions, and we'll get through some of the questions that we've not yet answered on the podcast. So it's going to be a good one. It's going talking to be of continuity. You did just say then <laughs> tomorrow morning. If you're yes. listening tomorrow morning, if you're listening tomorrow morning, yes. that will be Thursday, yes. and you've missed it because we actually released the podcast on a Wednesday. We're recording this on oh, yeah. Tuesday. Hang on, let me just check it's the calendar. Tuesday. Here. One second. Hey, Siri, what day is it? Siri clearly knows bugger all. Look, it's going to be fine. Just make sure you check out the Podbean app. Just do it all week because God knows when we're going to appear, but we are going to be live. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know how it works. I mean, the fact is that I much prefer sitting here recording stuff and then we can make sure that it all works before people hear it, whereas live is a bit scary. Um, today's guest is great, by the yeah, way. Yeah, should we just crack on with the show? Because this this talk of time and episode 100 and lives is doing yes. my head in. I don't know where I am or what my name is. Okay, future boy! <laughs> <laughs> we do have a cracking guest. We're talking to Matt Bergen, coming up right now. For the show notes and video content... Go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. I'm very excited to be speaking to today's guest. Okay, I'm always excited about a guest, but I'm extra excited today. I'd like to class him as a friend of the show. It is Irish athlete, co-founder of the performance team, sports physiotherapist, or our nice guy, Matt Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jake. Number two. You're back. You know, when we last spoke, actually, I was looking at this. It was a long time ago, man. We were both, if you remember, sweating our asses off because we had that kind of heat wave in the UK and you were doing lots of kind of uh, uh, physio from home or remote and, man, it was hot. Different story now. Yeah, very cold. Very different story this morning. I think it felt like minus degrees this morning out running mad isn't it you've just been for a session what's going on i want to ask you about your training actually last time it was all about other people this time i want to turn the spotlight on you to a degree anyway and ask you a bit about what's been going on i know you've been super busy with stuff what session have you just done today tough one easy 
This morning I had a kind of a tempo, so it was an eight mile tempo, but it was alternating pace. So I was alternating five minute miling slash 505s and then 530s, 540s. So it was on off miles. Um, but doing it at eight o'clock in the morning wasn't the best idea when it was so cold. So tough, isn't it, at the moment when it's like this? I think it yeah. really catches people out as well. Now, surely with your experience, the pedigree of runner you are, surely you don't make the mistake of like overdressing and then stripping off halfway. I am normally an overdresser. Um, I normally warm up in probably four or five layers and then instantly regret it about a mile in because I'm just <laughs> pouring with sweat and feeling like I'm going to pass out. But then when it comes to the actual sessions, at the minute it's arm warmers every day. Short sleeve arm warmers is the uh, the go-to. I saw you comment on the old uh, arm warmers on, on a recent Instagram post as well with the, mm. the, the compression sleeves on. So, I mean, I, I'm asking you, I guess, as an athlete here and as a you being the athlete, not me, and as a physio, as well as physio, compression sleeves, arm sleeves, do you wear them purely for warmth, for fashion? Is it for some uh, physical benefit, performance benefit? I wouldn't go as far as saying fashion because I don't feel like I'm a, much of a style icon. <laughs> um... But they're, they're quite nice because I would never wear a pair of gloves if I was racing in because I, they just annoy me to race in. But the because they're quite tight, the sleeves feel quite nice because you've got your shoulders out, the shoulders are breathing. Um, but the arms, like how often have you been for a run and said your forearms and your upper arm feels quite cold? So it's just quite nice. It, it just keeps you a little bit warmer. It's just a nice combination. I know what and you it mean. does look quite cool as well, doesn't it? I'm a big fan of compression, to be honest. And and more, I can't believe we're having this chat. Oh, come on. Regular listeners of the show know we're dead honest on the show. We can talk about anything. I, I just love the, I love the feel of compression. I just love the feel <laughs> of compression against my skin. I like to feel compressed. I don't know. I just feel... It feels like I'm quite supported, especially, you know, calf socks I will wear, but mainly kind of the shorts, you know, the compression shorts. Yeah. As well. I just love the feel of it when it comes to winter. I quite it's like nice. a calf sleeve. A calf sleeve's quite nice. Putting your physio hat on now, benefits of compression. From my understanding, it's not, there's no kind of out and out 100% proof that it helps with blood flow and circulation and injury prevention. But what, what's your thoughts and view on that? You're at the cutting edge of it all. Theory behind it all is, yes, some of it is the, the blood flow stuff and it helps the blood flow, especially like your calves, obviously, when you're wearing your compression socks. But a lot of it as well is the the excess kind of the, the like vibrations and the kind of the the shocks and everything else that's going through the calf and all of that, so it kind of compacts things all together a bit. People always feel like, so kind of, generally they will wear a pair of compression socks or your, your calf sleeves if they have a very tight-feeling calf, which is kind of seems a bit backward, because if you're like, well, I've got a tight calf, why am I going to put a tight sock on over the top of it? Sure. But sometimes it does feel quite nice. I generally, if I'm ever going to wear them, I don't really run in them. I quite often might just wear them around the house as more of like a recovery kind of thing, at night maybe like walking about if I'm on a plane travelling somewhere for a race they're normally the kind of times that I'll I'll wear them yeah it's a good point actually I've recently and we haven't spoken for a bit Matt but I've recently coming back from a calf strain just a relatively mild calf strain nothing kind of huge in fact when I had a screening with yourself um, several months ago now last year I think it was we did a bit of focus on the, the old calves and stuff a bit of a weakness of mine the lower leg so I kind of keep my eye on it but after I've, I've just been coming back doing the whole run walk stuff you know the things that you prescribe at the performance team and and I'm very focused on protecting the calves I'm almost like uber paranoid you know what I mean like I, I, even to the point where walking upstairs I just I don't want to push too much on that calf that I damage and I've been walking around the house in the old compression socks as well it just feels good I don't know if it helps mate I don't know if it helps is it going to help me Probably not, but at the same time, if if you feel like it works and it's and you feel like it's going to help, it's not doing you any harm. 
Um, it's like it's like so many things that you you treat like you probably see footballers doing certain things. You might see sprinters. Stereotypically, you get certain sports people that tend to have kind of things that they will always do because they kind of deep down they know it probably doesn't do anything, but it's just habit. They might have had a good run wearing a pair of compression socks, so they want to wear them every time they do a, an important race from now on, or. They might have had a bit of a niggle like you in a calf and found that having a bit of tape on it in a certain way felt like it gave it a bit of support or helped. Again, it, it might not have been doing a huge amount, but if it actually, if it if it kind of gave you the the kind of the feedback and the the kind of support to mean that you didn't think about it and worry about it as much, um, then it's I'm all for it. It's funny, isn't it? Because it, it can almost become a superstition when you feel like you said, oh, I had a good race and I wore calf socks, for example, or whatever it might be. You think, right, that, I've got to make sure I do that again every single time I go into a race or a cross country or whatever. And I can kind of understand that. And, and I love what you said there about, well, you know, if, if you feel it helps, then then why not? And I've, I've always said this, you know, as a coach, like, and I sort of tell myself this, but to the runners I coach, that if they're, if they want to do a particular thing, I don't know, foam rolling, stretching, you know, any of these kinds of things that may help them to perform better or recover or stay injury free. I've, I've always said if there's no kind of a obvious risk to trying it or doing it and you feel better doing it, go for it. I mean, what's the problem? Yeah. No yeah. problem. I think. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, the two biggest things are your foam rolling and your stretching. There's both of those things there's I think with the rolling there's a misconception what you're actually doing when you are foam rolling because people think they're physically like rolling out their muscle and making it longer and more flexible but that's really not what you're achieving you're actually kind of mobilizing those layers of tissue over one another and that kind of sliding of those layers of muscle and fascia that that f- kind of sensation of kind of freeing it off is that's why you get it rather than you actually physically lengthening that muscle um, so I'm, I'm of the same mentality, like like you said. There might not kind of research-wise be any hard, hard evidence that stretching and kind of foam rolling regularly is going to actually reduce your risk of developing the injuries. But if you feel like it does help and it's a quite a nice kind of thing that you do routine-wise, then I'm all for it. And it's not the stretching. You can do things wrong in terms of like hard static stretching before a run is probably going to negate performance and probably actually increase your risk of maybe kind of straining or tightening up a muscle during a run but just some very gentle stretching some active stretches kind of those kind of things I'm I would often prescribe to someone still now and if you were doing a let's say you're doing a serious interval session I know you've been out for a tempo run this morning but if you're doing some you know high intensity interval session what does your warm-up look like? I'm interested to know. How disciplined are you? Have, you? have you sort of, over the years, as you understand your body more and more, are you aware of what works well for you and therefore you, you've kind of built this warm-up and that's your go-to? I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my warm-up will always look more or less identical. So I'll do so Tuesday session, a Thursday tempo, and a Saturday session I will always do the full warm-up. Um, so normally that would look like a three mile warm up jog, um, and then the same at the end, a three mile cool down as well. Um, and then I'll start with kind of just gentle skips, gentle kind of ankle mobility type stuff, like your tiptoe walks, your kind of your heel kicks, your heel kind of flutters, that kind of thing. Um, then I go into a few like side skips and arm swings and everything else. And then some of your karaoke's are they called? 
Oh, when I you're kind of going that. sideways and you're kind of kind of ro- rolling your legs over one another and ro- getting a bit of rotation through the pelvis and the upper back. Oh, I love a bit of that, especially when I'm running with Martina because she has no coordination when it comes to karaoke. In fact, she's, she's at home today. I hope she, no, I don't think she can hear me. We're okay. It's fine. We've got our parents <laughs> visiting. But she's, yeah, terrible at the karaoke. Very entertaining with the old coordination, but you need good coordination to run well, right? I think running is one of the those movements where everyone can run, so it's you don't think of running as a particularly difficult task, but when you actually break down the, the kind of the patterns of movement that occur when you're running and the rotations and the counter-rotations and the forces that go through foot, knee, hips, lower back, there is a lot to it. It's so hard to change someone's kind of habits and styles because they'll be so ingrained in how they run, especially if they've been running for any length of time. Um, But that's where, again, coming back to the drills, your warm-up drills is where we can actually start to change things and try and change the habits. Because if I say to you, right, yes, we know that your ankle might kind of roll in a little bit more than we want it to, you're going to just now go out and run. And every time you land, you're going to be looking down at your feet, trying to suddenly change how you run, which is just you might be able to achieve that for a few steps, but it's long-term, it's a completely impossible task. Whereas when we, you're doing something like your your tiptoe walks in part of your warm-up, that's when you can actually really think about your, your technique, actually think about what's going on in terms of your foot position, your knee position, engaging through those kind of your, your trunk muscles and everything else. Because I was, I was probably prior to working as a physio with my drills I would kind of just go through the motions I'd lope about doing a few skips a few heel flicks whereas now I try and make them actually have a bit more purpose to them so after my like your karaoke's I'll kind of go through like a series of like like a a walks you call them so like your high knees um like your high knee holds starting just kind of doing it as a walk and then getting up onto tiptoes and then progressing all the way through to actually a bit more of a skip um and then I'll work through a series of then b drills so more when you're kind of flicking your heel back through so you're kind of more of a hamstring dynamic hamstring exercise and again that will start as a walk and then that'll progress into a skip yeah it's that progression isn't it i I think it's really interesting because with these drills that we're talking about now as part of like a warm-up and it's great that you know exactly what works for you you just pretty much do it the same every time you don't have to think about it which is great it's an ingrained habit and obviously it's nice to try and help other people perhaps listen to the show now to to try and think along the same lines but I still think that, that you need to hone the skill of doing said drill as well. You know, you talk about these various skips. It, it's not just a case of go out there, you know, case in point is the karaoke drill, and you're suddenly a master at it. You, you have to practice it. And you know something I think is really interesting, Matt, and I'm interested to see what you think of this. So I, I mentioned the calf strain, and, and, and like most runners, you know, when you, you can't run because you're on the injury bench, the first thing you think is, what the bloody hell can I do? Right, I'm going to get my ass in the pool, I'm going to jump on a bike, I'm going to do whatever to help me feel better and look after myself. So fine. I'm getting in the pool. The difference is I'm in there. It's not my comfortable place. And all of a sudden I realise that, man, this is such a skill. Whereas running, it's very easy to think, I think, a lot of people that, well, it's just simple. You just run. We've all done it as a kid, whether we do it now as an adult or not. The difference being, if I, and the reason I say this and what got me thinking on on this path, is if you want to go from point A to point B running, you can do that whether you run well or you run poorly, whether your technique's good or bad, you can get from point A to point B. Whereas when you're in the pool, if you actually cannot swim, you cannot Mm. get to point B from point A because you're just going to sink. Does that make some sense? So you you sort of accept that, oh, it's a skill and I need to be able to have some kind of basic ability to be able to swim and get across the pool in this case. Whereas, Whereas running, I think it's easy to kind of just ignore it a bit and just throw yourself into it. 
until you pick up an injury. And then we speak to professionals like yourself and we're going, mate, help me out here. This is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I think everyone looks at a race photo. I mean, every time I get someone coming to the clinic, all they send me a photo of is the the classic down step when they're landing on one leg. You've got the hip that's dropping, the knee that's rolling in, and they all think they look disastrous. And I mean, I show you any photo of me running and it's not a picture of, it's not a picture of health when I'm landing even. So... It's, yeah, it is very interesting, especially nowadays with your park runs and your mobile phones. Everyone's got a video or photos of themselves running. They get so, you'll get so self-conscious of how you look when you do land. Yeah, I guess you're right, actually, thinking about what you just said, though. It's very easy to maybe put a bit too much pressure on yourself in terms of running form as well. I guess, like anything in life, it's easy to kind of focus too heavily on it. Yeah, you read about your kind of your, your perfect running form in that position you should be in, but the reality is what works for one person won't work for another person. If you watch any probably like Olympic track event or any diamond league distance event there's a whole host of styles you've got legs flicking all over the place you've got arms flying everywhere you've got kind of guys jumping over steeplechase barriers in what you probably would deem as not a kind of a a typical fashion that someone in England would get taught how to do Um, but they're running kind of very low eight minutes for a steeplechase you're going well do we really need to change their style do we really need to change what's going on with their their arm position and their kind of foot position and everything else because if you start changing too many things and if you're trying to search for that perfection you're just going to potentially open a can of worms to developing other problems because you you can't get rid of forces if you're if you change the way someone runs you're just changing where those forces are going so the the classic is someone that sees themselves running the classic being your park runner that sees a photo of themselves running landing on their heel and they instantly think that heel running from reading magazines and reading things online, heel running is kind of all evil. You shouldn't be a heel striker. You, you must be running on your tiptoes. So they've seen that photo. They go away and they start making themselves run on their tiptoes. And now they're suddenly coming to see me with two calves that are tight. When you're running more on your heel, you're putting those stresses through more the knee and more the quad. Whereas if you're running on your tiptoes, you're putting all those stresses through your calf, your Achilles, your plantar fascia. So then it, you, you're not getting rid of those forces you're just changing where they're actually going so so what's the key here then matt to 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 i guess running well is it to feel does it need to feel natural do you know what i mean you talk about well we're not going to change these things if they're smashing this time you know paula radcliffe's famous head nod uh, bobbing her head as she goes and you know breaks the world record in the marathon as she did back when is it just to feel natural because i guess if you change too much all of a sudden it's going to feel unnatural isn't it the key really with any running style is just to do what's comfortable for you there's no point trying to change the unless it unless you can absolutely prove that the way someone is running is the sole reason for the injury that they've got. Um, you, it, I mean, to change the way someone runs is is something that takes months and months and months to change. If you if you're someone that like me, if you've ran, I mean, I've ran since the age of about twelve. So if I suddenly try and change my running style now, it's going to take me probably a few years of doing drills, doing loads of little bits and probably doing less running to actually ingrain that new habit into my running style and am am I actually going to get any benefit from doing that probably not um but what I what the important thing is is making sure that the tissues in each person's say ankle or knee or hip or thigh can tolerate the forces that it's being exposed to so if you know there's you've, you've got a runner that kind of maybe excessively rolls in at the knee 
yes, you might work on trying to change that position, but you might not actually change the way it looks. But as long as all the tissues in and around the knee can tolerate those forces that are going through that knee, that's that's the biggest thing. Off the back of this, Matt, I'm going to ask you a question now, and it's, it's, it's I guess, difficult to, to, to obviously personalise and impossible. So kind of generally speaking, if somebody's returning from an injury, right, they want to reduce the risk of, of re-injury, so they don't want to, you know, be back on the... On, on the um, on the injury bench, where do they start in terms of building back and, and I guess, sort of rate of progression? What what things do they need to consider? I mean, use me as an example, you know, coming back from the calf, how do I mm. know how much to do and how often to run and, and at what rate I can build back? You know, lots of people throw numbers around, don't they? Don't, don't increase your mileage by more than 10% and these almost yeah, arbitrary yeah. figures. What sort of things do you think are worth thinking about or considering? Again, it's something that's very specific to each individual and what kind of injury and how long have they been out with the injury and how bad was the tear? Was it just a mild strain? Was it a big, big grade three tear? Kind of you need to look at all those different factors. Um, And I think those those are the the first bits you need to consider because if you're looking at something like a muscle versus something like a tendon, you're going to find that a muscle is going to recover and adapt much quicker than the tendon is. Your tendons, generally your Achilles tendons, your patella tendon in your knee, your your high hamstring tendon, those those kind of structures take weeks and months and months of kind of progressively kind of making the exercises more harder for them to really adapt and kind of be able to tolerate the forces that you need to for running. Generally, with the return to running stuff, it's it's a very difficult one because there's never a... I mean, in an ideal world, I'd give someone a piece of paper with the guide on, they would follow it for a few weeks and then they'd be back to full training, but it never works like that. There's not there's not kind of one booklet I can give to someone. It's it's very much more a, kind of more of an art than it is a, a kind of a science when it comes to the actual return to running. And I think that's where it comes down to kind of the experience of working with more and more runners. The more runners you see, the more injuries you see, you know how they're going to probably respond. Um with something like a tendon it's kind of progressively building in the running but whilst you're monitoring the symptoms as well because typically with something like your Achilles it'll be that stiffness in the morning that you get where you're kind of hobbling those first few minutes um so that will always be the guide that you'll you'll listen to if you find that you've gone out one day for a five minute run and you didn't get too much stiffness but then the next day you've gone for a 10 minute run and you're hobbling about the next day you know that you've done too much for what you can manage at that point so you know that you're needing to keep it at probably that kind of five six minute mark until the point where you're not getting any stiffness then you can end up things again so you kind of you always want to be on that the right side of kind of the symptoms so you don't want to be making symptoms worse people often think no pain, no gain. So they just try and run through the pain, but then you're just going to set yourself back a few days. Um, and you do have to listen to how you are responding because it's it's all well and good me asking the questions of how's the pain out of 10 and how's the stiffness in the mornings. But if you're not kind of aware of what those symptoms are, then it's hard for me to accurately give you a almost a day-by-day plan of how much running to do. With your, like you were saying earlier, you use your training peaks. I'll always get my runners kind of, if they know certain things aggravate it and cause the pain, I'll get them every day using that kind of morning stiffness, rate it out of 10 or write down how many minutes it lasts. Because for the runner, even if the pains are a 1 out of 10 versus a, an 8 out of 10, it's just 
the injury's still there, it's not disappeared. Whereas if you're writing it down and within a week you look at your, your symptoms and you go, actually, last week I was writing it as a five and this week I'm writing it as a three, you know that there is improvement and we're on the right lines. Whereas if, you, if you're starting at a two and two weeks later it's up to a three, you know you're overdoing it. I love this. There's some amazing stuff coming out of this. And this this was a big question. And we started off by saying, well, you know, it's difficult because it depends on the injury and the individual. But just to summarise, because I think there's some really useful stuff here. So look at the length of time that you've been out and the severity of the injury. What was the injury? How bad was it? And I, and I guess as well, is it a reoccurring injury? Is it something that's plagued you for years? Or is this a random thing that's just happened that maybe and hopefully won't, won't you won't repeat? Is it a muscle? Is it a tendon? What's the site of the injury? Injury because the different lengths of time, recovery time. You mentioned tendons there take longer to recover than than muscles. I, I guess that's because of the is that the lack of blood supply to the tendon versus the blood supply to yeah, the muscle. Yeah, just just the blood supply. The, I mean, your muscles. The re, I mean, that's why they're so red. If you look at them under a microscope or on your like on your cadavers and stuff, the muscles are red because there's so much blood vessel. There's so many blood vessels in that area. Whereas, whereas your tendons, there's not as many blood vessels in that area so it just they it, they just need a lot more input whereas your muscles will generally kind of repair themselves quicker probably if it's a low level injury compared to a really chronic tendon issue um, and I think that's the hardest thing with treating runners it's them having the awareness of the injuries and what pains is a normal pain to run with and what is something that you actually need to have a few days off for and what is something you then need to actually maybe seek advice for because and this goes for especially people that are new to running, which I'm sure kind of come in January, you're going to have a lot of people coming to you that are new to running for the first time. Every every run they do or every new session they do or if they do a few hills, they're inevitably going to get some aches and pains. But if they stop running every time they get a bit of a kind of a tightness or a soreness, you will never get that consistency, which will allow you to improve. You'll be running for a week or two, you'll get a bit of a tightness and then you'll stop running completely and it'll be that constant cycle of stop, start, stop, start. My general rule with runners would be if it's an acute pain that comes on out of nowhere suddenly, then just you need to stop because clearly you've done something. Um, If it's kind of a mild stiffness or a mild tightness that kind of comes on over time and doesn't get much worse and isn't getting progressively worse as you run then you might be okay. You might need to have a few days where you back off on things. You might need to do a bit of kind of your rolling. You might need to have a bit of a massage and free things off in that local area. Um, If you're finding that you're getting the stiffness in the mornings, if it's only kind of a few minutes and it frees off straight away and then the moment you run, you're not aware of it and then you're not getting that stiffness or the symptoms after the run, that's kind of okay. But again, monitor those morning symptoms to make sure that over a few weeks it's not progressively getting worse. Um, so they're the they're the kind of the the key bits to look out for. And I guess as well, it's, it's do you think there's an element of being brutally honest with yourself? I, I don't think I've always been brutally honest. Um, I, I find that it's easy to be it's easy easy to, easy to be a bit negative about races and your own fitness i.e., oh, I'm not making as much progress or I'm not a proper runner or I'm not as fit as I would like to be. I don't think I'm going to be able to go under two hours or whatever time it might be in the, this upcoming mar- half marathon. But all of a sudden you pick up a bit of an injury and you almost become like a glass is half full. Well, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I'll be okay tomorrow. Oh, well, maybe I probably could do the 10-mile race that I intended on doing in three days' time. Do, do you think you have to be, as well as listening to the body and it's this art to kind of know 
is it a problem? Is it is it acute? Is it chronic? How how much sort of discomfort is okay and what isn't okay? Do you think you have yeah. to be really honest with yourself as well? Yeah, I mean my. Uh... I mean, I'm a physio as well as a runner, so I kind of see it from both sides and I'm a terrible patient myself. It's very difficult because you're deep down, you know the answer sometimes. Like I know for me, if I, if I find that I'm even asking my coaches if I should be going for a run or if I should be doing that, I've already answered my own question. Like if I'm messaging them going, do you think I should do today's session? Then it's normally, well, you've messaged us, so it's clearly bad enough for you to even <laughs> consider doing it. So the answer is no. Um, and it's the same with illness. Normally, if I feel a bit under the weather, even if I kind of question if I should be going out for a run, I now I try and actually just listen to the the fact that I am questioning it and thinking if I'm questioning it, then it's clearly bad enough to probably have a day off. Now, when we spoke to you about coming back on the show, I was really looking forward to having a good, good old catch up with you. And one of the things that's changed, I think, since we last spoke, uh, certainly on the show, is your own running and kind of stepping it up a gear. Now, I, I think you were injured back when we, we first spoke and, and you mentioned earlier we had a quick catch up before we started recording today and you were saying you had a few sort of failed attempts to return to running. Uh, are you are you back from a break now? Are you, are you fully recovered? I know you've been doing some racing and, and, and also, how did you deal with these failed attempts, I guess, mentally? Probably the start of lockdown, so that would have been, what was that, 20, March, April 2019. Prior to that, I'd probably been running the best I ever had. I'd ran 13.47 on the road in Belfast, and then it was after that race that I then ended up basically deciding. When lockdown happened, I was kind of, for a few months, I'd already been nursing a fairly bad hamstring injury. Um, but I think because I was doing so much running and so much racing it almost wasn't getting the chance to actually kind of stiffen up so I was I would limp a warm-up and it would by the time I got to the end of my warm-up it would be kind of warmed up and it would free off the injury I'd get through a race I wouldn't notice it at all but I would then be limping more or less my cool down as well and I was in that cycle for probably a good month or two prior to lockdown happening when lockdown came around, I actually went to, to Mark for him to actually have a proper look and we kind of decided that, well, with no races happening in the near future, I might as well actually try and rehab the injury properly rather than kind of bodging it together short term. What turned into what I thought was going to be a couple of weeks ended up being more or less the majority of the first lockdown. And I think the fact that I literally wasn't doing any running and much walking and couldn't go out and was spending most of my day sitting on Zoom with, with patients and other runners, that's that's what almost made it, bizarrely, a lot worse than when I was actually in full training. Um, and then, so it was more or less, yeah, the first lockdown, I'd tried getting back into running once or twice, and every time I started to feel anything through the hamstring again, I would just kind of, kind of yeah, worst case scenario, I was thinking, I'm back to square one again, I've undone everything, all the strengthening and the rehab I've done was for nothing, and I would almost then have have another week or two of doing absolutely nothing at all, which, like I tell anyone, isn't going to do anything. You can have an Achilles problem, a hamstring problem. If you have just time off, it's unlikely that the problem's going to completely go away. The pain might go away, but the moment you get back into the running again, it's probably only a matter of weeks or runs before it just comes back again, which for me... It, it did. I would always. I I got to the point each time with my rehab where I was strengthening it, and it was then a case of actually building in the running and almost using the running for the rehab. But every time I felt 
anything at all, even like a one or a two out of ten, I was in my head telling myself that it was as bad as it's ever been and I'd shut it down again. It was more of a mental battle than anything, telling myself that, because I almost had to work through that point, because each time it came on again, I instantly thought I was back to square one. So I would stop running, would lose interest in running, would lose motivation, would stop doing anything. I wasn't meeting up with the group like I normally was. Probably that early start of 2020 was the least I've enjoyed running in many years. Speaking with Mark, we were kind of like, well, there's nothing to lose at this stage because I was as bad as everyone else. I thought I needed an MRI. I thought that was going to be the answer to all my problems. Um, And we were kind of like, well, let's actually just strengthen it. It can't be any worse than it is currently. Ignore the symptoms. Go off what I would probably be telling someone else in terms of if you're doing the loading and the strengthening exercises, allow allow a one or two out of ten awareness in that area as long as it doesn't become a a sharp discomfort and you're not hobbling about after that's kind of what we need to aim for to actually stimulate any kind of adaptation through that through that tendon um so I did that and then we slowly built into the running and then what I'd not done was got to the point where I actually started building in the quicker running the strides the sessions the intervals so I, I eventually got to that point and just worked through it all and kind of just trusted the process to us a little bit more. Were you a bit nervous about that? I mean, you say you had to trust the process. Were you, were you concerned yeah. about kind of, you know, making things worse again? Yeah, and the thing is, with, with a lot of injuries, and especially tendon injuries, if you're looking at it on a chart, there is progress that slowly goes up, very slow, but it, there will be progress. But you'll often feel like it gets worse and then adapts, gets worse and then adapts as it's slowly improving. So you might find that, I mean, using your Achilles as an easy example, you start doing your heel drops off the edge of a step with just your body weight, and you find that you do that for a week or two and then it gets to the point where that's too easy and you're not really feeling anything through there. If you don't then push that to the next level and get in a weight involved, you're not going to adapt anymore. So you're only going to be able to tolerate just probably walking about and very light jogging. To progress you to the next stage, you need to incorporate a bit of weight. So you grab hold of a kettlebell, you do your heel lowers and you're going to start getting a bit more stiffness and a little bit of awareness in that area. Now that's almost what you want. That's kind of the sweet spot. As long as within a few days or a week, that then adapts again. That's what you want. And then you keep adding a bit more in, then you build in the running. So with me, it was, I would add in, I would get to the point where I was steady running. The moment I added in a stride or some quicker work, I then started to feel it again and would be worried it was happening again, the injury. I'm nodding as you're talking because I'm I'm relating it to my my current, as I mentioned, coming out the other side with with a calf strain. But I've started to do... The, um, the calf work, so straight knee, bent knee, but I'm not using any weight at the moment. I'm just sort of building the reps up slowly. I'm also increasing the range of movement slowly. So like you're saying, it's important people listening to this show that are perhaps coming out of injury themselves, it's important to build in some progression. Otherwise, you're not going to progress. Like you say, you're talking lower leg injury here. It may be the case that you're just okay walking again. Well, you want to get back running, don't you? So you've got to put that into it. But it is hard to know whether is this level of discomfort okay or is that problematic you know i have to i've had that chat with myself recently when i'm feeling some uh, feeling some soreness in the calves and then i have to say say to myself i wake up in the morning oh i can feel it in my right calf is that a problem again and then you think no hang on a second jake you can also feel it in your left calf which was never an issue <laughs> and it's because yeah. you're doing the calf raises so there's a little bit of soreness there from that delayed on, onset of, of muscle soreness so it's, it's a bit of a juggling act isn't it use that word again it's an art really is an art yeah. you were competing at the weekend that's amazing that's awesome what was that all about and how did it go i was competing over in ireland um at the irish national cross country championships uh some from, from my club my club over in dublin Dun- uh, dsd dundrum south dublin um so that was a national cross country for them which 
over in England is normally February time, but for them they do it before Christmas. So we finished DSD. We actually won. That's amazing. Um, and, and do you yeah. can, can you park the injury now? Are you free from it? You know when you're still on the starting line, do you just forget it? Yeah, my hamstring. I've now got to the point where I've forgotten about it. Unless someone asks me how it is, I've forgotten about Sorry it. Sorry about that, <laughs> Matt. It's been amazing catching up with you, as it always is. If people want to see what you are up to, you're a very busy man. But when you can, you do have a little bit of free time. You're on Instagram, Matt underscore Bergs. If you want to give Matt a little follow, we'll link that in the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. And if people want to get in touch with you and the performance team you mentioned Mark uh, Buckingham who's the other half of the performance team uh, then they can check you out at performanceteam.co.uk before you dash off (laughs) I've got one last question for you Matt are you ready for this go on we didn't ask you this last time this was a new thing this was a new thing after uh, the last time that we spoke we didn't ask you this question so here we go here we go right okay take your time this is your weekly dose of running motivation Matt Bergen we ask all of our guests this question what does the word motivation mean to you? Oh, that's a very difficult question. Take your time. Um, it catches everybody out. Uh, um, motivation for me is kind of a bit like your your inspiration. So for me, I might take my kind of inspiration from other walks of life. So I, I mean, I, I run reasonably competitively, but I also get a lot of my kind of motivation from most of the people that I treat in the clinic. I like that I spend most of my time worrying about other people's injuries and niggles and aches and pains actually rather than my own. Um, and I get kind of, kind of seeing those positives in the clinic is kind of where I get my inspiration from. Matt, not only are you episode the century, that's also a brilliant answer as well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Matt, listen, have a great rest of the day. Catch up soon. Thank you very much. Take care, mate. Running with Jake, the podcast. It's always great to catch up with Matt, but I love some of the things that he said during that chat about injury. And when you're making that return to injury, you know, considering how long have you been out, the severity of the injury, thinking about the difference in healing time between muscles and tendons. And you've got to test safely, you know. If you you, you are, you have picked up a bit of an injury, you're, you're coming out the other side, you want to get back out there, just test safely. And a Above all, take some responsibility and respect the body. I think that's so, so important. As runners, what do we want to do? We want to keep running, right? Talking of which, Pete, we need to, we need to, we need, we need to have a little chat, my friend. We need to pick something back up. I know I'm pointing my finger a lot at you on the, what uh, the video. What are you poking here. for with, I'm, the, I'm, with the poking finger? Why? What? What have we got to? Waggling, wagging it at you. Um, well, we need to speak about the Manchester Marathon Relay. We have spoken oh, about this God. on previous episodes. Regular listeners to the show will know. I know we spoke a lot about the live episode this week on Podbean, 12.30 Wednesday, which will probably be today. That's when you're listening to it. <laughs> but Manchester Marathon Relay, this is going to this is big news, man. We're trying to talk you into taking part. It was a definite fat no. And now I sense that you're just sort of mm, toying with it. Maybe it could happen. Next week on the show, next week... We're going to talk about this. Don't know. I can see you want to jump in. I don't think you should jump in. We need to do an Ask Jake. Got to answer people's running-related questions. I feel, I feel like I'm being disrespected here, Jake. No, no, not at all. I love you. Much respect. But I want you involved. This is why I respect you and how much I respect you. I want you involved in the little Manchester Marathon party. It's a relay. It's going to be great fun. Anyway, bank that thought. Next week, we're going to talk about it. But right now, it's time to talk about you and your questions it is time to take another one of your queries in hashtag Ask Jake. Today's question comes from Naomi, who's had a great week away in Portugal, but she's concerned about losing fitness. She hasn't run at all while being away, and she wants to know how long it takes to lose fitness. Naomi, I can pretty much guarantee 
that it takes longer to lose fitness than you think. Yes, there may be a little bit of deconditioning in a week. There may be a little bit of kind of, I suppose, sharpness, as it were. So you might feel a little a little bit sluggish uh, during your first run back, but that will soon go away. You'll soon blow off the cobwebs. Fitness, you don't lose it overnight. Obviously, the detraining principle, if I can say it, the detraining principle uh, does state that you will naturally lose fitness over time if you just kind of stop running, of course. But it does take quite a long time. And the other thing I would say, is it's much easier to regain fitness than it is to find it in the first place or build it in the first place. Does that make some sense? So if you've lost a little bit of fitness, even if you've been off like three or four weeks through injury, you can get it back again much quicker and it's a lot easier than it is to build it in the first place. Plus, you're a lot more confident because you know that your fitness has been at a certain level so you know what to do to get back there. But look, you've had a great holiday. You've been away for a week. It will have made no difference to your training. Just get back out there stay positive go and smash it i hope that helps if you've got a question it's hashtag ask jake or you can drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com that brings us to the end of episode 100 of running with jake the podcast your weekly dose of running continuism uh, talking of which pete do you actually want to pick up and just mention about the whole live podbean thing i'm not sure the message was clear enough. I don't think it was. Do you want to just throw that out there? Just just give people a little subtle reminder. Just get the day and the time right. Go. I don't think I'm the person for this job, Jake. I really don't. I mean, bearing in mind how convoluted and bizarre it was before, I just don't think... I think that, you know, me trying to improve that will only make it worse. But basically, if you're around on December the 1st, at 12.30... Today. Yeah, today. Well, yes, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 2021, because you can listen to this at any point, but if you are listening at that time and you do listen on Podbean, then feel free to join us, you know, at 12.30 um, p.m. Uh, is it eight? No, it's p.m. 12.30 p.m. 12.30 hours, 1200, 12.30... Uh, UK time, because you could be anywhere in the world, and indeed people do listen all over the world. So so check out the time difference. Just bear in mind um, that we're a GMT in the UK at the moment, not British summertime, so you're going to have to take that into account, and then um, you can come along and have a listen, and we'll be talking um, this type of shit uh, live. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I've got to go. I'm doing a live show later. Did, did that help? That was that was crystal clear. Crystal clear. So, uh, I guess we'll see you then. Or, or maybe not. Oh, and one more thing. Now, repeat after me. I am, I can, and I will. Mate, bearing in mind we're at episode 100, you'd have thought we'd know what we were doing by now. Mm. True story, man. True story.